right now that we're going to talk about a change that came in last week. Uh, the United States lifted the border controls that they'd brought in more than three years ago now, at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, right back at the beginning. Uh, the Trump administration brought in Title 42. Okay, this was March of 2020. What it did was give officials the right to turn away migrants, even those that were seeking asylum. Um, the Biden administration tried to get rid of it last year, couldn't do so. The courts upheld it. So it stayed in place until it expired, came to an end last Thursday. So how does this change things? And of course, we share a border with the United States, so it's going to have an impact on us to find out how and uh, what we might see happening in the coming days. We're going to chat with Luisa Veronis, who is a geography professor at the University of Ottawa. Uh, Luisa, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Hi, great to be here. Thank so, you for inviting me. So this end of Title 42, uh, what's it supposed to mean in terms of overall immigration into the U.S.? It takes away the right to just say, that's it, you're not coming, right? Yes, exactly. So Title 48 was put in place mainly as a public health measure so to turn away asylum seekers. Before asylum seekers, when they arrived and spoke to an official, they could claim asylum. So this law basically allowed officials to just turn them away, to deport them immediately, avoiding, for example, having to take their information or putting them in deportation centers and waiting for them to have a legal hearing. So basically we're going back to the way it was before, but there are also a number of other measures that have been put in place. So this is a very strange situation where in fact there are changes, but nothing has really changed. The big picture is the U.S. is trying to avoid taking in asylum claimants, and the whole policy has been around curbing that, and the public health situation made it easier to do by creating this Title 48. But overall, not much has changed, and we can talk more about the details now. Yeah, so when we talk about what's changed, there are some who are saying what might come in after the fact might, in some ways, be even worse than what was just uh, done away with last week. So let's talk about what does happen in light of the change that was made. Okay, so in light of the changes, now there is another Title Eight, which has always uh, been there, which is around how uh, to take uh, someone's um, uh, information if they want to claim an asylum. So now they're going around all sorts of different uh, loopholes in order to do that. And basically, the United States wants to shed away from its responsibility. We saw this um, about a month ago when the Safe Third Country Agreement yes was renegotiated and amended. So there is a third safe country. If the claimant comes from a third safe country, in this case Mexico, because they're walking up to the border where they can't put a claim in the U.S. They, they've also created other ways, in particular now, any asylum claimant has to book an appointment using an app that is apparently faulty and there are only a few spots every day. So there are all sorts of measures and depends on the point of entry, but here the main point of entry is the southern border of the U.S. with Mexico where we see uh, massive amounts of, of people coming. There are also legal um, challenges now if someone is found undocumented where they, won't, they will be considered undocumented and potentially deported without being able to actually claim asylum. So everything they're doing is to avoid taking in people who have 
potentially a legitimate claim to asylum or putting in place the procedures to determine whether the claim is legitimate. So all of this is to avoid uh, the costs notably involved in the procedures, mm-hmm. uh, avoiding also putting them in deportation centers, which is what Trump was doing. So while people put a claim to asylum, they were waiting for the hearing, they would wait in a deportation center, whereas before they would be able to stay in the U.S. without being in a deportation center. So all of these measures are costly. There's no room to too many migrants coming in. Um, so these procedures just to avoid all of this, avoid people even making a claim. So this is significant in light of what both Canada and the U.S. have signed on the convention um, for refugees where they are obligated or they're responsible to take in anyone who wants to put a claim and consider them uh, legitimately and legally until they're proven that, in fact, the claim is not um, actually the case. Um, so the U.S. is creating this situation um, using all sorts of very innovative measures. You make a good point. Like We, we obviously share the, the massive border with uh, the United States. We have issues. We've heard about Roxham Road and all the rest of this stuff. We know that we share some concerns around immigration. So what do you think this change is going to mean for Canada in Obviously, it's it's U.S. legislation, and it's their law, uh, but it will have an impact on us. How do you think that might affect Canada? Yeah, it is quite unclear because generally, at least what we know is that when migrants fear for their lives, they try to flee. So this won't change. All of these measures are not changing. In fact, the root cause, what is going on in, in their countries of origin, where there is violence, people feel for their lives, they can't make a livelihood, there's climate change going on, there are an array of issues. So this is not solving the root cause of the problem. It's a band-aid. Now, the U.S. imports to everything that is being done is um, mediatizing the number of people's creating uh, a fear. So it's also a political strategy to create fear and, and a discourse of, you know, look at all the people who will be coming here when, in fact, the U.S. has been declining in the number of asylum claimants they're really receiving. For Canada, um, it may take a while. We know that with the seasonality, yeah. now starts the time where more migrants might be coming uh, through any channel. Uh, the new amended uh, Safe Third Country Agreement will mean that more people will try unconventional, dangerous routes. So maybe, in fact, Roxham Road, in fact, channeled everybody so we knew where they were coming right. through and we could control that. But now we won't be able to control. We won't know where they're going through. Maybe some will go through. Maybe some will have accidents and, and humanitarian disasters. So this is creating more, in fact, um, uh, volatility in, in the whole system. So it may take a while until people arrive to the border. Um, in Canada, people also come through other channels, by airplanes, as tourists, as international students. There are so many avenues. I think it's just creating more complexity in the entire system, and it will be probably more difficult to track, to actually know how many people are legal asylum claimants, are they able to put their claim in. This will become very complicated. Louisa, could this be an opportunity in a way? I mean, we we obviously have problems around immigration, not only in the United States, but in Canada, too. They're well-documented. Um, the fact that at least we're putting some of these things up for examination, we're having this conversation, we're talking about this. Could this be a, a starting point, perhaps, to coming up with something that actually seems to work a little better than whatever that we've been trying to do for the past several years? 
Yes, absolutely. This is an opportunity to, in fact, rethink the system because clearly it's not working. So Canada has a system, but through all the different loopholes and the pandemic, in fact, created a huge backlog. There's always been a backlog. It would be important to put in place, in fact, a more efficient system to uh, evaluate um, uh, asylum claims in, in a reasonable and especially in a speedy fashion, but by taking into account the information that is available. So people still still should demonstrate that they have a case uh, to seek uh, asylum. Uh, Nevertheless, putting in place a new system, so in fact the app could be a way uh, where people would book an appointment and then, you know, we can actually go through the procedure and at least evaluate if there is even a chance this person and then channel them through maybe a longer procedure. Right now it takes months and months two years or more until someone has a hearing for the claim. This is a huge amount of time in people's lives, and in the meanwhile, they're in limbo. They can't move forward. So we could consider, I mean, apps nowadays we use technology, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. for immigration interviews. So we could put things in place to deal with this a lot more efficiently. Yeah, exactly. And at least, like we say, you know, the, the conversation's happening now, or at least talking about it. So uh, perhaps we go somewhere positive from here. Louisa, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us.